in my mind, when a guest comes in, if you really haven't thought on how clearly you're selling your product, that again, they just don't know what they're buying. Right. They don't know. So to me, to make it simpler, it just made sense to me to say, what if I make it a per person purchase, they go to the movies, they know what it's like to buy a movie ticket. Right. They know what an hour or so of their time's worth. And they understand if you got a family coming in, mom, dad, one kid, two kids, they get it. They say, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll be here a while. We'll have a good time. Right. If you just say, if you go into the point and say, hey, it's just going to be an hour, there's going to be some parents that are going to be like, hey, 50 bucks. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks so much for coming on today, John. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. We've had a couple yeah. conversations before that I thought were really good. Could have been their own podcast episode, <laughs> but I'm sure we can pick it up today and deliver once again. Yeah, definitely. So for the people who haven't had a chance to meet you or interact with you, tell me just really quick who you are. And yeah. So my name is John Kilpatrick, center owner operator out of Johnson City, Tennessee. Been in the business now. I've been in the business now 22 years with my dad, Dan Kilpatrick. He retired from Brunswick, told his boss, hey, if you ever want to sell a center, make budget. I'll buy holiday. And about a year or so later, they contact us. We bought the center and I've been up here working with my dad since July of 20, uh, 2021 or yeah, no, not 2020, 2001. Oh my gosh. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> 20 but years yeah. like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. I also apparently forgot to mute my phone. Let me handle that here. My, uh, there we go. I hope I make sure I get it all. There we go. I'm also a contract trainer with Cubica AMF. We upgraded to them in 2016 and uh, kind of fell in love with their products and the impact that they done with, my, with, uh, with our business here, that when they, uh, they had an offer to say, Hey, you can, if you want to be part of our training program, help new centers that are getting our products, learn how to use them and optimize their business around these new options. I was like, well, yeah, that sounds really exciting. What a great way to go out and have an opportunity to work with other proprietors, work with other centers that are doing business in different ways than my own, get to be exposed to different ways of operation, different specials, different ways of focusing on our wonderful product of bowling and delivering it to, to the world. And that's just something I kind of dived into. And there's definitely some challenges of being an operator and then also going out into the field to train and having to balance the time at home, the time away, and then the personal balancing of your, my personal life with my, you know, my beautiful wife and all that kind of stuff of too. It, uh, it uh, can get pretty hectic sometimes, but it's something I do I think about every day of the next center I'm going to, what are some of the opportunities that they're going to have to potentially change their business or really focus in on the parts of their business that are going to working and how we can help with uh, with software and operations to kind of maximize that. So it's again, it's a, it's a really unique kind of spot I've been into from there. Yeah, you really get a taste of both sides, or pretty yeah. much the whole industry, mm -hmm. both sides of the table. Yes, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So let's start maybe back up a little bit. It sounds yeah. like the your experience with bowling started even a generation above you. With oh father. yeah, yeah. So my dad, he's got. Man, he started in, I think he started working for Brunswick in 1970. He worked with Brunswick for 28 years. So yeah, yeah, that works. He retired in 98. So his center, the first center that I think he was managing was out in Memphis, Tennessee, uh, which is uh, pretty wild in the fact that it was during a time that he would, uh, that he got involved by pot bowling. 
So he was like, Hey, the center's done. I don't want to pay for my bowling. Can I work here? And they're like, yeah, that works. So he started out in industry just as a counter guy. Yeah. So he could shut down at night and then a bunch of people could uh, nah, yeah, yeah, bet on bowling, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> they would have some skill challenges. Let's mm. go with that after the center closed yeah. till 6 a.m. <laughs> and, and that's kind of how he got his start. And going from there, getting into the management part of the business, like getting exposed, like one of his couple of times he had, you know, the King Elvis, it's out in Memphis. They right. would shut down the center. He would come in with all of his buddies and bowl all night long. So that's one of another fun part of the industry is when you have those kind of unique experiences and surprises that happen. Right. But, uh, but yeah, he worked for Brunswick 28 years, ended up as the vice president of operations for Brunswick Bowling and Billiards for the Southeast. Okay. I think it's somewhere around 40 centers at the time that he was responsible for sure. making sure that they worked. A number of the folks that have been on your podcast had worked with him in Brunswick. Some worked directly. Uh, Bart Berger is a long time, a long time family friend. Dad actually hired him out of college. Oh, he's, got no a, he's got a whole score, story yeah. around that too. <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, so, and again, he started out simple, just working on the desk and just through hard work, diligence and uh, his passion for bowling, getting into, getting into the upper management of uh, Brunswick. I experienced, I had the experience of being the standard bowling center brat, going around trying to get dollars and quarters, play video games, bowl on youth league, all that kind of mm -hmm. good stuff. And, and then start transitioning again into management and ownership as well. And when we bought our center up here and learning with, uh, learning with my dad, who is, it's always interesting working for family. Sure. It, it's one of those, well, always that situation, but it's, I got to understand that. The two hands. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like the, I always call it. Uh, for those multi-gender folks who are looking at you, know, maybe their kids are getting interested in the business as they've opened a new center or have purchased into a center and the whole family's involved. One of the biggest challenges that I personally had coming to work for my dad was the transition from my dad, who's always going to love me, always going to support me. And then Dan and Dan is all about the business. Right. And it's a, it's one of those things that you really gotta, if you've got family involved, you really have to work that out It's true, because yeah. it's, right a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause if you don't, you can have family members get their feelings hurt right. or have difficulty understanding that a reprimand and explanation about bowling doesn't mean your parent is mad at you. It right. means there's a lesson to learn. And it's, you've got to learn it, but you got to be able to find a way yeah. to kind of work through that. And that can always be some families that can be pick, prickly. I've been, like I said, my dad and I've been pretty blessed that in a lot of ways, like our humor's on the same wavelength. We can, we've talked to each other for a long time. We have a, a lot of history in scouting. So got to already kind of participate in the learning and mentorship pro progress. Yeah. Of kind of a work environment where scouting is you're trying to educate youth, young men. Right. Right. And so we kind of had that and it kind of transitions over well to the bowling center pretty well. There's times that dad and I have some heated discussions. Of course. <laughs> and, uh, and then there's times that it's, we're pretty copacetic in what we're doing. We've had a wild journey to get to this point too. So again, I mentioned that we bought our center in uh, 2001, 2004, Brunswick came to us with, with an offer of a couple more centers. We had a bowling center in Greensboro, a bowling center in High Point, North Carolina, Greensboro, North Carolina, and Greenville, South Carolina that they had. And uh, we took them up on that offer. And so we ended up growing to four centers. And then about a uh, half a year later, 
he went from uh, one to four all yep. together or like one by one all one to four overnight but see here's the thing though is with my dad his experience was 100% in multi-center management. Once he, uh, yeah. again, once he got past the general center manager part and became like a regional and district manager see, yeah, and yeah. then his ultimate like retirement. Bike. Yeah, exactly. That's that's 100% his wheelhouse of where he operated. Okay. So we kind of knew the pitfalls. We knew the importance of keeping an eye on the P&Ls, making sure all your costs are in order, coming up with strategy plans, coming up with timetables for marketing. He kind of, he had all that. Didn't necessarily call it all of that because again, we always joke around that yeah, we're good at redneck math and stuff like that. But again, he had the skills to get it down. And again, he worked with me quite a bit on there. About a half year later, the center in our town, across town, came available at auction. And uh, we thought it was going to be, a, was, that'd be a pretty decent opportunity for us. So we took advantage of that. So it grew to five centers and uh, almost overnight after that happened, there was a center out in Lubbock, Texas that became available that they mm. said, Hey, are you going to be interested in that? And my dad was like, well, heck yeah, I know that center. Well, that's a good center. And uh, they're like, well, how are you going to manage it? And he goes, like I did for y'all. I'm going to get on a plane and fly. It's just, so it's, so again, at our peak around about the end of 2005, we ended up having uh, six bowling centers okay. kind of under our be belt mm. we were managing. And uh, around about 2008, everybody, most folks who are in the industry know what happened then. Yeah. Also, what they didn't know about us is my, my dad, he got a divorce that year just before everything taken a nose. Oh man. Yeah. So, so in one, on one hand, it's amazing that we got out of the divorce and we managed to keep the centers from that. That's hard enough to do in the industry in it. Of course. Yeah. Again, it happens. Right. But 08 hit and all of our centers, we could show you the week that gas hit $4 a gallon. Because oh wait, when gas hit four dollars a gallon, that's when it became: do we entertain the family and kids, or do I have enough gas to go to work? Right. So that that ended up being a tipping point for us. So as I like to say it, we spent the next couple of years consolidating down to some of our best centers. We had some different roadmaps and different ideas with the blessing of 2020 hindsight. We could see where there were some other options that we could have taken, some different roads we could have done. And we could have got out of it with maybe one other center, but life is life. You do sure. the best thing you can do is make the decisions that you got to make while they happen right? and push forward. Yep. Paralysis is, and again, we'll probably get into this later in the, the questions of the upcoming economy. Paralysis is its own answer, right? but usually it ends up being a bad one. Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the worst. Yeah. So, but we ended up, we moved forward. We made decisions. We did what we had to do. We consolidated down to holiday debt-free at the end okay. of everything. Wow. So we got out and we were in a favorable position for our center, but it's not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it was easy at all. It's a lot of, sure. a lot of tough times there. And that's kind of how we get to the transition of our center going from very traditional bowling center, like when we first bought it, league focus, try to get those right. second shifts of leagues, yep. really pushing for that to having a league on a Friday and a Saturday night, which right now, oh my gosh, it's a, it almost feels like when I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, but it was a different, again, different times, different transitions, yeah. different yeah, expectations. Different, yeah. But yeah, I mean, and then from us, that was from 08 to 2013 to get from all the centers and then consolidated and into the one 
Right. That has is that been, when you started switching to the FEC model or was that further down the road? So anything that you're going to do when you come in and make a change to your business ultimately is a culture change. And that's something from us having multiple centers, going in, taking them over from Brunswick. Like I ended up going down and managing the center in Greenville, South Carolina. And going in and really having that experience open my eyes to how much any change, you've got to start with the culture, you got to start with your people, yeah. you got to make sure that they're on board with the idea. So I was down there, at least I was down there till about 2013. That's why I moved back up to holiday. That's when we finished that whole process. And uh, the first thing I did when I came in, because I know there's, when people come purchase a center or come in to manage a center, some management, some organization is like, Hey, just remove everybody. And we're going to go through a rehiring process and all that, which is an option. And is a good way. If you want to establish a culture from the word go to establish that. Although at the time and the way that we've kind of gone in and taken over the business is we didn't want to be working 90, hundred plus hours a week on the front desk. It's not a very effective use of our time. Right. So we've always gone into the existing culture, gone into where people are, take some time to evaluate what's working, what's not working. When we try to introduce anything new, who jumps on board, who might not be part, who may not be on the boat with us for a long time. And uh, that's kind of what I did when I moved back to holiday is I spent about the first six months really one evaluating where we were at and uh, where we're at the time was uh, we had, we had dollar coupons, dollar games, dollar shoes. Mm -hmm. And 2008 to 2010, maybe you needed to operate that way just to get people through the door. Right. That was a survival stance by 2013. That's a bit much yeah. 2013, 2014. It was, we were full all the time, but we weren't making a dime. Right. We discount, we're discounting ourselves to death. <clears throat> and uh, that's kind of where we started. That's kind of where I started when I came back in was one, we had so many coupons out. I always said you could sneeze and hit a dollar coupon for holiday lanes at the time. Yeah. But that's where, again, it's kind of where we started was valuing, you know, okay, what is our pricing structure like? It wasn't that great. The of course, naturally after coming off a number of years of very difficult situations and decisions, the staff morale was pretty low and that was Dude, kind that of consolidation phase you're saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Cause again, it's holiday itself has always been the family center. Like the flagship. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Well. It, I'll say it was, it's, it's always been run very family style. Dad's the boss. It was the operational manager for him. And dad just knew everybody, talked to everybody. We never really had a very corporate or structured kind of family here. Cause dad was like, Hey, I'm going to retire here. Mm -hmm. Sure. With Brunswick, I was really tough. I got things done. I made sure the management did what it was supposed to do. But in his retirement, he's like, I just want to own the center. I want to come out, hang out every day. I want to have my coffee in the morning. Right. Take a nap in the afternoon, come back in. If the numbers are right, hey, we're fine. Yeah. And and that was again, it was kind of been run like that. But of course, when it feels like everybody there, your dad's feeling rough, they're feeling rough. Yeah. And if you got to come in, if you're gonna start making some changes again to the operations, the culture, stuff like that. Some people are on board and some people are just gonna be like, it's always been like this. I don't want right. to move. And got decisions to make. Right. Yeah. I find that a lot of the good operators are that way. They follow the procedure. They follow what's been laid out. Yeah. Um, so they can be tough to introduce new ideas to those types, yeah. but they tend yeah. to be very reliable and consistent. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a balance. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that was the that was a big change for us. That's when we went from being all about primarily game bowling for open play yeah. to starting to look at some different models on how to handle time. Okay. I was at a I was at one of the the BP, the Carolina trade shows and they had a couple managers out there from Brunswick when it was still around, when it was still Brunswick. And uh, this one guy, I can't remember his name for the life of me, but this one guy had a program that he had started doing that just started to make a lot of sense to me. It sounded like what our cut, what a customer would expect in the purchasing process. And so what he was doing was I'm just gonna use easy math. So $10 a person was what he charged $10 a person that included shoes. And he did, if you got one or two people, you get an hour of bowling. Okay. If you do three to four, you get an hour and a half. And if you get five or more, you get two hours. Okay. And again, easy math for the person coming in and buying right. $10 a person. It fits what our guests' expectations are. Think, again, traditional league bowlers doesn't fit their expectation at all. Sure. Like, right. No matter, in my mind, no matter how much you go into a house where a gung-ho, we're going to go time, we're going to worry about our table flip, we're going to try to get the lanes turned over faster. Yeah. And we know when the lanes are getting done. So let's get people up to the counter early. Yep. No matter how effective that is, your league bowlers primarily are going to expect some form of game bowling for them to purchase. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's really kind of where my focus has been is as we develop stuff, who am I selling it to? What way can I make this program, this deal fit into a specific guest expectations so yeah. that it's just easy for them to say yes. So is that how you guys price currently? Is the ten dollars a person at the it's fourteen fifty a person now? Okay, and but it's all plus tax. Yeah, interesting. That's a cool. I haven't heard of that before. A cool yep. way to do it that makes sense from a volume standpoint of yeah. how many people you have and how long it's actually going to take yeah. you. Because otherwise, think, someone typically always loses in the bet, right? If it's a hard bet that there can't be fixed at all, then there's usually going to have one party that loses out. Yeah, I think I think. I don't know if it's stars and strikes out of the Atlanta market, but I know there's a group that has been doing individual pay and everybody that get that pays, you get 20 minutes. So you got two people on a lane, you got 40 minutes, you got three people on a lane, you got an hour. Okay. Yeah. Basically, basically it times out where whatever they're buying, they're going to be able to get about two games done. Yeah. And that's pretty similar it to where we started sense. out. Yeah. I ended up taking that hour and a half period and just splitting in the middle. So if they got one to three people, they get an hour. If they get four or more, they get two hours. Uh, the reason being that that spot in the middle was just, just became a disconnect for customers. Like they just, yeah. that it would, they just, Too many they, options. Didn't, they didn't get it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, but that's the way we've been operating. Now, naturally, again, with traveling with Cubica, talking to centers, there's plenty advantage of going to just an hour of bowling say, Hey, yeah. an hour of bowling is going to be $35, $40. If you're really busy on the weekends, 50, $60, there's plenty of reason to do that. And then you have shoes on top of it. It's just, again, just me personally thinking about a guest and try to put my mind in a guest who hasn't been bowling. I remember there was a sign we used to have when we purchased the center that said one in six people bowl every year come bowling once a year, one mm -hmm. in six. And that yeah. was like 1990, 2000, somewhere it's still around there. roughly true today. I think BPA reported though, that it's close to one in 10 to one in 12. Oh, really? 
is uh, is I think where they had a recent research on that. Okay. Yeah. Last and I that, saw, it was like seventy million people in the U.S. Mm-hmm. each year. So yeah, but we seven, got so that's yeah. We got three hundred million people in the U.S. Though I mean, yeah, three thirty, three forty. Yeah. So again, it could be close, but it's just the idea that so many people just if they're coming in the bowl, there's a solid chance it's the first time. Right. And or they don't remember if it's been a yeah. year or two. And they just, they don't know what they're buying. It's it's like going into the store. It'd be like if you went into a store and you're like, hey, I'm going to buy, I want some hot sauce. And you go to the hot sauce aisle and you don't know what's going to be mild necessarily. Right. You don't know what's going to blow your, going to put you on fire. Right. And that's kind of in my mind when a guest comes in, if you really haven't thought on how clearly you're selling your product, that again, they just don't know what they're buying. Right. You don't know. So to me, to make it simpler, it just made sense to me to say, what, if I make it a per person purchase, they go to the movies, they know what it's like to buy a movie ticket. Right. They know what an hour or so of their time's worth. And they understand if you got a family coming in, mom, dad, one kid, two kids, they get it. They say, okay, cool. Yeah, we'll be here a while. We'll have a good time. Right. If you just say, if you go into the point and say, hey, it's just going to be an hour, there's going to be some parents that are going to be like, hey, 50 bucks for an hour of bowling. And, you know, when it's just one group price and it's only a mom, a dad, and a kid, yeah, you know, that sounds pretty steep. That may sound steep to them. Right. It may not. Yeah. Whereas I could be getting roughly the same price, but it's just price per person. Right. Now, how again, did, how, one, how does that affect your revenue per game bold? Does that? stay even i guess since in that bet that we talked about some people like with that family you just mentioned they would kind of be taking a loss on that but another party might be gaining with that kind of arrangement how does that work for you guys is split it down the middle or does your revenue per game change since making that switch it again it does fluctuate based off the number of bodies that come in the door again i really i personally frame it in my head of my goal because it's kind of the average is when somebody comes in to get a lane for an hour I want to price that point at what do I want to get out of two people yeah. for one hour of bowling. Okay. Yeah. We'll have one person come in and they're going to be there and they're going to bowl an hour and oh no, they got me, but sure. that's okay. On yeah. the lane right next door to them, I've got three people bowling right? and that extra person evens out. still evens out throughout the center. Yeah. And with that being said, if I've got four people on a lane, that's my two hour ideal right there. Is the four people and that's your anyone yeah, else people for an hour? Yeah, and mm-hmm. then if they got five or they've got six, that's just that much more bringing that balance into play. I see. Okay, so since I've operated like this, since I've decided to operate like this and give it a try again, it's been good to us. It's been mm-hmm. pretty good to us. You know, our guests understand what they're buying. Of course, like any other business, we've got about we try to price where about ten percent of our guests are like, "Oh, that's a little steep." But if you don't have people saying, "Oh, that's a little steep." You're leaving money on the table that you could, if everybody comes in and goes, wow, what a steal. You might want to reconsider your price. (laughs) Right. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Uh, And again, because that puts back, like I said, when we first got here, dollar game, dollar per person, dollar shoe rental. You could get a coupon anywhere. Right. Well, it's hard to maintain and keep a clean facility and a well-maintained facility when everybody's getting that kind of a discount. It's hard to put Mm -hmm. money back into the center. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then with that pricing too, that pricing model that we have, we let it fluctuate throughout the day. So like right now, if somebody were to come in before noon, it's basically half price. 
if you get yeah. out here b- before noon. At the same time, when the leaks get done, it used to be you could just hear a dime a dime drop. If we kept full pricing, we're open until we we're open to eleven p.m. Sunday through Thursday. Okay, we're open until eleven p.m. So our leaks would get done. We didn't have anything going on, and I was like, "Well, I need a traffic driver. How can I make it match this?" And uh, so we started doing five dollar a person. Okay, five dollar uh, yeah. a person. And uh, it's turned, like I said, our nine to 11, two hour period is added another, when we first started it, it added an extra, uh, almost like about a thousand dollars or $1,500 a week is what it did when we got started. Yeah. And over time, now that's grown to be a pretty popular time. Now we still got people that come in in bowl full price, six to eight, seven to nine, eight to 10, they'll come in and they still pay that full price. Right. Mind you, we got leagues going, and so they're on the other section of the leagues. But then afterwards, when we used to have nothing, we've got almost a full house. Right. Uh, and in the peak period of the year, it is a full house with people right. waiting. In that two-hour time period, we get lane turnover. Some people yeah. come in, they've only bowl one game, and they're like, all right, we're done, bye. We've right. had our... Well, and it's a peak know. food and beverage time as well. Well, it's... Yeah, definitely adult beverages. If you've got <laughs> adult beverages, that program can be fantastic. Exactly, right. To add to your mm-hmm. revenue at the end of the night. and. But yeah, that's just the thing It's is as the industry has changed and our guest expectations have changed, you can keep a pricing structure and still have it be advantageous throughout the week. And that was one of the things that was one of the big culture things I had to change when we got in here is we were a center that was operating under that seven days in a week, seven specials a week. Yeah. So it'd be like, oh man, Wednesdays, what's happened to Wednesdays? And, oh, we got to come up with a new special for Wednesday. And it's like, how? We just started doing a dollar game thing. We just started doing quarter bowling, quarter mania on Thursdays. How do you beat a quarter? How do you beat these deals? Right. We're just competing with ourselves. I was like, let's sit down, come up with some pricing that's fair across the board that, again, when do we need people? Sunday through Thursday, nine to eleven. Yeah, you know what? I can do. I can do El Cheapo bowling on right. on those days. It's not yeah, going to hurt those me. times. Yeah. Yeah. Am I going to do five dollars during prime time? No. Right. No. Is it going to be on the weekend? No. I'm a firm believer. Friday to five, and then through Sunday, you don't need to discount that. No. You don't. No. Nope. Now, again, some centers, Sunday morning, you might need to do a discount. Other yeah. centers, Sunday night, you might need to do a discount wherever mm-hmm. that split is for your center. But again, that's just you know, know your market, know what your folks are going for. Right. But really, again, don't look at it as like, oh, it's got to be bowling. It's got to be per game. There's a million different ways we can skin this cat called bowling. Right. A million different ways we can pre- present it to people's advantage. Mm-hmm. And Let's look outside the box sometimes. Let's look for different options. Yeah, I think one of the, the main takeaways is dynamic pricing. It's all about demand. When is your demand highest? Mm-hmm. When your exactly. price is highest? When is your demand lowest? That's when your price is lowest yeah. at the end of the day. That's going to be best for the customer and for the proprietor. Right, right. And again, to really focus in a, a bit more on, like when I say, if I a product that somebody's looking for, I don't know if how many folks have talked about this, but I know it's been talked about in the industry for a while. It's like birthday programs. Yeah. A lot of centers, a lot of centers that I've worked with, they have bowling pro like birthday programs, but th- what's involved is always kind of all over the place. Yeah. Some places, center. some centers I've been to their birthday program to book a lane is almost an, almost like 30 minutes to an hour 
on the phone because they want to make all the food items bespoke to this one group. And if you got a full kitchen, I get it. You want to sell as much as you can, but when you start talking to somebody or if it has all those options listed on the website, the person who's shopping for that product can get easily overwhelmed. Yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so much. I never, I don't want to do this right now. Yeah. And mom is mom or dad are already overwhelmed with the (laughs) idea that they're going to have 12 or 15 kids or, or or they're going, we're inviting the whole class. We're going to have 30 kids. Oh my gosh. Now they have 30 different orders, 30. Yeah. 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 And, and so I just, again, for me at my location, I just planned, I started out planning a two lane package, 12 kids. Yep. Large pizza per lane, pitcher with, with the unlimited refills per lane. And uh, we provide cups, plates, napkins, like most folks. Sure. And, uh, and just put it together and that's the package. Right. That's the package. That's all you need. It's easy. It's simple. It makes sense to mom. It's a lot better than getting it for the one lane for the one lane. Yeah. They only get one pizza. They don't get refills. Oh my gosh. Why, why would you do that? One, somebody's always going to be El Cheapo. Right. And they're going to go for the cheapest product. So I have an El Cheapo product, but it's made, my premium one is made to have those items, nice, easy, together, simple, make it sound as turnkey as possible in selling mm-hmm. it and just have that product where it's easy for them to buy. It's here's everything they they want. Yeah. And the more decisions you can reduce, the higher your sales conversion is going to be. Yeah, exactly. And it works fantastic. Now, again, we do get those, some of those high maintenance parents that are going to have very specific things and maybe sure. they're, they're interested in getting some different food options and all that stuff. That's great. Mm-hmm. We call, we talk to them, we work that kind of stuff out. Yeah. But the real idea is again, just again, what is your customer shopping for? What are they looking for? Yeah. Sometimes it's just bowling. Sometimes it's bowling and food and just have those options available. Yeah. I mean, so I come obviously from the marketing perspective, Mm -hmm. almost anytime I'm sure you'll recognize it right away. You get the three options and everybody in the highlight, the middle one, because they anchor you really high with the expensive one. Then you got the cheap one that's, "Eh, it's not as good. And 80% of people go for the middle one. Yeah. It it works every time. That's why people do it. Yeah. Make it easy for them. And it's the great, best value kind of thing, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. they always highlight the middle one. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and again, it's just one of those, it's one of those things, but as an industry goes, again, just from my experience in viewing a number of different centers, it's wild to me. There's a lot of centers that'll be like, oh, you get two games, you get this. And I'm like, how are you going to do a two hour birthday on games, two games of bowling for toddlers that could end up being a three hour, three (laughs) hour thing just for them to get to bowl the two games. Yeah, Now, I imagine those toddlers are going to phase out of that process because they're just going to lose interest. Yeah. But you never know when you've got that one parent who's you're gonna you're gonna bowl. Right. You're gonna do, I paid for two games, you bowl in mm, two games. Right. Yeah. And they <laughs> that, lose interest that for 20 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yeah. uh, but again, it was so again, going back to the story, it's what I was coming back into though, is yeah. some of those kind of environments. And going from game to time is tough for some people. It's yeah. tough. We had a couple folks that, you know, again, they just anything I did when I came in were just were not on board for anything. Anything was a mistake. Yeah, that's yeah, a different getting, problem. Yeah, yeah, getting rid of getting rid of dollar bowler. Nobody's going to come bowling for more than a dollar, and it's like, yeah. sorry, they, they have are. to. <laughs> yeah, they're going to have to. Yeah. And again, most of the folks, what does it cost the bowl? What's the main question? How much does it cost the bowl? Do you have mm-hmm. lanes available? You right. know, they got no clue. Yeah. They thought it would be riots going to ten dollars. Yeah, and I was like, no, this is a band aid. We're taking the band aid off, and yeah. this is what it's going to be. 
And sure, we had some groups that were taking advantage of the dollar bowling. And by taking advantage, I mean it literally. It's like, oh, we're going to bring the whole church out for a three-hour outing. Uh-huh. And we're going to bowl one game in shoes for a dollar. <laughs> right. And that group came out one week and was very upset. It was a very upset that we weren't doing it anymore. Right. And uh, But I guarantee they've ended up coming back since then. Yeah. It's just, again, it's just, again, it's the business, it's the industry. You got to start making those changes and, and change is hard. But any center who, again, if you're on, if you're doing only game bowling, dip your toe in and give it a try because yeah i always it seems like the easiest way and i usually recommend this to people if they're making that switch or thinking about it is to start it off on the busy times i think that's the easiest time the most demand when it makes the most sense to do the yeah. bowl by the hour is mm -hmm. your friday and saturday night that you just switch whatever the cutoff time is you switch it over that's your time only and then from there you can move it out as far as you want to you, right you know, maybe during the week you keep it games but that's the easiest place i think to start and the most logical do so when you're doing marketing with marketing planning and transformation for centers do you talk to them at all about the value of table turn depends uh, yeah every center is coming from a different starting point so if they need that we can go through in pricing i try not to dive too much into operations unless they're right. looking for some help and i can point them to some resources yeah but i'm there to help them with their marketing and sometimes mm -hmm. collide or they overlap and yeah. we'll help in those instances but it's less coaching about the operations as it is just okay. done for you marketing yeah i mean that's Again, just in, in my opinion, that's one of the best parts of if centers are on the fence is one, especially I like your idea, just started on the weekends on those peak periods. One, you know, when the lane's going to get done, you can start mm -hmm. calling the other group early. Whereas before you had to be like, oh man, are they yeah. their shoes up? Are they, right. are they changing their <laughs> shoes? Are they, oh no, they're going out to smoke. Don't All right. <laughs> exactly. It, yeah. You go from they're that like operator. Like a hostess at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. You just don't know. And right. going to... Okay, they've got one minute, they got five minutes left, one minute left. Mm -hmm. Hey, hey, Johnny, why don't you run down to lane five, check in, see if they need anything, let them know that they've got a few minutes, um, ask them if they want to add more time. Yeah. And come back, let me know. If you can get to that level of operation and, you know, the answer is no, they're not going to add any more time. Man, you can get that next group up there two minutes before the lane cuts off. Yep. Get all them, all their equipment, make that sale, get the money transacted. And as soon as those guys, as soon as their time's up, close the lane, open the new one. You've got so little lag between right. those transactions. It's fantastic. Right. Yeah. Especially yeah. your peak time. Yeah. You really have to. Yeah. And then, but then we, with, when we, we start taking a look at like online reservations, bookings, stuff like that, some of those having groups booked back to back causes its own problem. Yeah. Okay. And, and same thing with the, like Cubica, they just recently added on the online reservations where you can have a five, 10 or 15 minute buffer time yeah. where they won't be able to book. Right. Which I've been testing out at my location. It part of me says, oh man, I just lost like two hours, three hours of operational time that I could be booking lanes. Financially, I haven't seen. Yeah. You're going to lose that anyway. Yeah. You I know, haven't. Yeah. Yeah. It was practice. already gone. Yeah. yeah, it didn't exist anyway. Exactly. Look good, but it didn't exist because right. somebody's late. Do you duck, duck time and piss them off? Yeah. Do you do you try to accommodate and shift lanes? I'll tell you the biggest thing though that it did for us is it vastly reduced the stress level operationally of our weekend employees. Yeah. They, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And I remember that was something McBrain was talking about on the previous podcast about making sure that you respect your staff, you respect their time, you make sure that they got time off, you do what you can to give them the time off, stuff like that. And yeah. I was like, what a great way to have something that's an option that totally, I'm like, oh no, we could squeeze some more people in there. Yeah. But in reality, no, you can't. No. Right. And, and alleviate some of that pressure from the staff to yeah. know that they've got that few extra minutes that they need to. Yeah. Plus now, I liked his point about it resets their transaction. So yeah. they spend the money maybe earlier in the week on a Tuesday, they get there mm -hmm. on Friday they don't feel like they spent any money yet. Yeah. So oh yeah. No. Two transactions instead of one. Yeah. Like since we, it's resets. Since we've started our food and beverages just gone through the roof. Yeah. Since we started doing the online reservations, it's, we were pretty comfortably up into the beginning of the, before pre-pandemic, we were a one order a week center. We'd mm -hmm. place our order. It could be really big in the winter, but then it would, but it was still just one order. And since we reopened, since we added the, the advanced reservations or the web reservations, we've gone to the point now that it's, that we're two, sometimes three times having to order food oh. just simply because we don't have the space to add more. It's like, I, we'd have to, it's like, all right, we'd have to take a room, convert it into to cold storage for, for food, or we can just order twice. I mean, you right. know, we're, we're blessed that we've got our food guys have a distribution center in our backyard. So when we order, it's very quick. It's not like I'm having to order from something that's coming from Knoxville, right? which is two hours away. And it's okay. You got to get it all in that one truck because we're not coming back. Yeah. So we've been kind of blessed with that. So yeah, I know it, it makes it a little easier on us. I'm very thankful for that. Yeah, no doubt. So Terry, what else is working for you guys today? You got online ordering, correct mm -hmm. pricing, a little bit more family FEC focused. What, what else is working for you guys today? So I'll go back. I'll go back. First of all, one of the biggest impacts to the center, I talked about it before we went from, we had Brunswick framework scoring, which that product is built like a tank. There's other manufacturers from that same late nineties, early two thousands period that have, you know, that have scoring Again, not going to lie, use what you got, use it to your best advantage because those things are going to last forever. And there was so much of it made that you should be able to find parts to keep it in operation. So for centers that are kind of doing that, Hey, I understand, do what you guys got to do, operate how you guys want to operate. But, uh, or as the cool kids today say, no cap. If you don't know what that is, it means I'm not lying. Yeah. You got to learn it. All those millennials <laughs> that are coming to work for you are going right. to say it to you. You got to learn it. But yeah, no lie. The biggest, one of the biggest things we did is like I said, 2014 during that whole transition, 2015, I was looking at some peers in the industry, they all had specific scoring system out there. And honestly, to me, when I really started dissecting it in my head and thinking about it, it was the decision of, we needed new scoring Our again, stuff's built like a tank, but it still dies. Got tired of shopping for motherboards. And it was like, okay, do we keep something similar with just generic scoring? And at that point in my head, I was like, if we're going with generic scoring, we're just going to go with the least option because it doesn't make sense to invest in scoring for scoring's sake. Right. I was like, or we can look into scoring that is going to entertain our guests. And ultimately, ultimately at the time where sync was at the time, it was kind of lagging behind Cubica, especially for traditional bowling centers. And, and so I said, you know what, this, uh, this YouTube stuff they have, where you build cartoons, looks like the right idea. I think that's, what's going to entertain our guests. Yeah. And at the time they had us some marketing that said, Hey, increase revenue by 30%. And I was like, that's an incredibly steep number. 
Yeah. And it's I a, thought it's a big it, claim. I thought it was some horse hockey that they were selling, but we bought the bolt. We bit the bullet. Again, we came out some really tough financial times. My dad didn't think we'd be able to get financing for it, but he said, Hey, if you think we can do it, we'll do it. And we go out to Richmond and we look at the products. We get it tested. I already knew what I wanted. I already knew what I was buying. Yeah. My dad, he was out there for the dog and pony show, seeing how it all worked. And it's a nice plan. Like, yeah. He's like, this is great, but uh, yeah, ain't no way we get the money. And at the end of the day, we got the financing. The financing came through. We find, you know, we financed the system, got it set up for install, all that kind of good stuff. The installation process is part of what sold me to be interested to put some time in with Cubica as a trainer. We bought multiple Brunswick systems. We bought multiple Brunswick systems. We had think we converted two or three of our centers to Vector at the time that after we bought them. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, the training process there was basically the guy installed. Like one or two days, here's how you build price keys. Here's your reporting. Here's how you do this. See you later. And uh, we bought the whole BestX Ultimate Experience. We got 10 days of training and uh, having that, that physical, like I, I bugged the heck out of my sales rep. I was like, I need training material. Is it online? Is it, I need to have it. At the time they didn't mm -hmm. have it online. And, uh, but I'm a staunch self-learner. I want to learn how things work. Right. I want to understand it before I have it. You can just start running. And I didn't understand what their training process was. And again, we had five, five days straight. It's a lot. You yeah. know, when I go in the field, even two or three days of training is a lot right. to, of information to, to share, but it was fantastic. I said, it was fantastic. When we, during the installation process, I remember we got our first pair of lanes done, done and they were working on the next couple pairs. And I was talking to the installer. I was like, man, I was like, I have to have some of these animations up. I didn't know then what I know now, which sending the animations out can be a multiple hour process of the software. But I was like, I got to have it. I was like, we got this stuff. It's beautiful. My dad's focusing on all the negative. I was like, he, we got to show him a positive or he's right. going to lose his mind and start hollering at people. And I'm going to have to return this stuff. Right just because he's mad about something over here that ultimately is going to be a hiccup. It's going to be dealt with. It's going to be taken care of. So he's like, okay, send everything out. And uh, we had this mom and our little girl come in and I sat there. I was like, okay. I was like, Hey, do me a favor. I was like, do you want a bowl for free? And mom's like, yes, I want a bowl for free. I was like, do me a favor. We'll let you bowl down there on one. Pardon our construction. There's a lot of stuff going on. I was like, but the lane area is clear. That whole area, we made sure to clean it up. So you guys can go down there. I was like, there's, it's going to ask you to take three pictures, happy, sad, and like a side view. I was like, if you do that, it'll make cartoons of you guys while you bowl. You'll have a great time. And she's like, okay, free bowling. I don't care. You may do that. Sure. So mom goes down there. Now I'm watching, my dad's watching, our counter guys watching, the installers watching, the trainers watch, everybody's going to see what happens. And, and yeah, so she goes down there, she takes the pictures, daughter goes up, bowls the first shot, shows how to pick up the shot in the animation. And then she takes the second shot and the cartoon starts, the YouTube starts. Yeah. And mom has her phone screaming out of her back pocket and like, just snapping pictures like crazy. And my dad sat down and he sat there, he saw that and he goes, he goes, I don't know how that's getting on the internet. I mean, again, he's 80, he's going to be 81 this year. Okay. He's so he was at probably like late seventies at the time. He's like, I don't know how that's getting on the internet, but I know that's getting on the internet and they know that they were at holiday lanes. Right. He goes, I think we made the right purchase. Yeah. And, and again, I, I, 
that really is, it's been our biggest impact since we've installed, since we installed BassX and U-Tunes, having that extra entertainment factor right. really does keep people coming back. It keeps people telling the story. Now, again, you don't get there by not training your staff to talk about it. You don't get there by ensuring that, that your staff is taking care of the customers, making sure they're happy. I think the, I think the phrase I've been using recently, even outside like customer service is more of a mentality of ensuring your, our customers success. They came here to have a good time. They don't know what they're buying. They don't know bowling. They don't know anything like that. So our staff has to make sure that when they get to the lane, they know what they're going to do, what they can do to have the best time possible, have the most right. fun. Yeah. And that's really where we've been pushing kind of recently is that mentality of let's make sure our guests have a good time while they're here. Not just they'll welcome them in, make them feel welcome. Here's your stuff. Here's your lane. Bye. But Hey, if you guys do, if you guys give this a try, you're really going to have a good time. Right. And it's been, again, it's been a, like I said, long-term culture change to kind of get where we're at. Yeah. But uh, like I said, physical wise, again, I think that's really best sex in the entertainment Taking that mentality of we're selling bowling to really pushing, we're selling entertainment. Right. Has been the biggest transition, the biggest change. And again, you can do that with traditional centers. You can do that with traditional scoring. It's not just, again, that's just my personal experience. Yeah. But really that mentality of, oh, we're just, we're a bowling center. We're a league center. That's all we do. We do leagues. We do tournaments. And we wonder why our league base has been dropping by 6% a year. We answer for it. There's no more awards. We haven't had our lane sanctioned the past three years. And now there's going to be no way for you not to get sanctioned. I mean, all the stuff that's coming down yeah. on the competitive side of bowling, that's just bizarre, kind of weird. It's a new world we're going into, but again, there's still ways that you can really take what you're doing and say, how can we make this fun? How can we inject some fun into this? How can yeah. we make sure our guests have a good time rather than just saying, no, it's just bowling. That's all we're doing. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Like you said, you're selling fun. You're selling entertainment. Yeah. Bowling just happens to be a vehicle for that. I always, exactly. look at, uh, I, we work with a lot of different centers. So I look at everyone kind of just on like a spectrum or a continuum on one side, you have your pure league house on the other side, you might have a pure FEC and yeah. everybody's somewhere on that continuum and yeah. they're either moving from one side to the other. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's kind of just a broad spectrum. Yeah. That's a target to bring in the FEC fec area that's one thing that happens with almost every fec is they make a they make that ton of money they make that big chunk of money in the first year two years and then they start becoming kind of established in the community and some of that sparkle and magic wears off and some of the fecs that, are, that have stayed the most successful have kind of sat down and said hey after year three year three we need to have some competitive part of this, we need to have some sort of kind of a league, something in leagues to really help us still stay relevant in people's minds. Right. And, and, and then it becomes, again, goes back to being a hybrid of the sport, just like old time league places, old time league right. centers, you put in a couple of fun leagues where it's, whether it's a shirt, a rum bucket, or some other kind of fun that you add mm -hmm. to it, that they can take their standard project product, have it start becoming something else. And they just start again, gradually transitioning towards more of a, of an entertainment as well. And right. it, it really, you've really traditional centers really got, again, this is my personal opinion, really focus on making that mix happen. I mean, I can tell you that my entertainment bowling is 75% of my revenue, but that doesn't mean 
I'm not focusing and making sure that we put out the best shot possible, that we were consistent with what we deliver to our league bowlers, we're, that we're always trying to develop new league bowlers from learn to bowl programs or youth programs or like homeschool programs have been fantastic for yeah. us helping to develop and get into more of a youth presence at our center. Right. And, and again, it just, it's just, you got to find that mix that it, you have, like I said, just in my mind to survive today, you have to have it. And I, I don't know how other, any other way I could put it is <laughs> that. Yeah. It takes both many things. It's a balancing act. It takes both. Yeah. Well, so we're coming up on time here. I want to be wow. on, wow. on the hour. I know it goes by quick. Holy it? <laughs> cow. No kidding. I want to be respectful of your time. So yeah, yeah. let's move into the last segment, kind of where you see things going, maybe the next 12, 18 months in, in the bowling industry. 12, 18 months in the bowling industry, I think is just going to be hundred percent dominated with speculation and worry <laughs> over what the economy is going to do. Yeah, been the last three. I, I've I have been waiting since 2020 for the other shoe to drop. I really have. I've been like everybody coming in once we could reopen fully in the tidal wave of opportunity that's come through the center of new people coming in. And we've been blessed to be in the Southeast and our area. We start out with about 65,000 people in 2019 and we're going to be closing out. 90 plus, maybe wow. even close Nothing to hundred thousand people by, yeah. by the end of, I think probably I think I think 2020 is going to be close to 90. And then this year, if we keep, we still have so many people moving to our area, yeah. so much growth and opportunity for us, but it doesn't change the fact that again, we went through 2008 and there were some really hard realities we learned. And there, there are a lot of parallels happening right now, Yeah, but I've been waiting, like I said, I've been waiting two, almost three years for the drop and it hasn't hit it hasn't hit even in other areas it hasn't hit we've seen some slowdowns sure and i don't know like i said i don't know if it's gonna go into full recession i wish i had a crystal ball i wish i knew i don't know if it's gonna go to full recession but like some of your previous guests have said bowling not fully insulated from recession but it definitely doesn't affect us the same way people folks want to come out they want to do stuff with their family, mm -hmm. keep their family entertained. And, and it's affordable. Yeah, you know? yeah. They might give up something that's more expensive and drop down to bowling. For every person right. who can't afford to bowl, someone right. might drop down from a more expensive activity into bowling. Correct. And also, what's not to say, if it really does come to, you know, we get back to, oh, wait, okay, do I fill up my gas tank or do I go bowling? There's no reason to say that maybe we don't adjust pricing to be in the times. So I'd love to keep charging what I'm charging. I'd love to charge more than what I'm charging, like most folks. But again, if time starts to change and we need those feet through the door, hey, do what you got to do. You got to right. just make sure you're open to it. My biggest, my one thought I've had, I haven't heard a lot of people talk about it, is there is discussion of what they're calling the soft landing, which is payroll, payroll has gone up. I know there's so many folks I know that are like, oh my God, I can't believe what I'm paying for like a walk-in employee right now. Right. But the fact of the matter is, so is the person across the street. None of us in this industry are special snowflakes. I got to pay somebody $14 an hour to come in. I got to pay somebody 12. I got to pay somebody right. 15. It feels very personal because this is our livelihood. This is what we do. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, so the mom and pop restaurant up the road is having to do right. the same thing. Everybody. And it's just, again, I hate to say it's the new normal, but it is what it is. So some of the thought is that, yeah, well, prices are adjusting up that pay, so's payroll so even though there may be 
like a period of stagnation, there may be a dip. The idea is that people in general are being paid enough where that dip isn't going to be as deep as we're expecting. Yeah. Is that the truth? Man, I wish I had a crystal ball. (laughs) I wish I could tell people, but I definitely know, again, I definitely know people in our market are, they're getting paid more per hour. People are working like our unemployment is pretty darn low. And there's still a lot of jobs open. Yeah. Even on top of that. And if we get to a point where we hit the recession that everybody's speculating on, like you said, even if people start losing jobs, which it's tech industry is getting murdered right now. Everywhere you look, 5,000 jobs, 6,000, 9,000. If I was in those markets, I'd be a little more worried about it. Uh, Could it eventually come to my market in Tennessee? Yeah, definitely it could happen. If we start seeing that, then yeah, I'd say it's probably time to start considering some new strategies and operations, maybe some different pricing, more aggressive pricing to, again, just try to get free through the door. But uh, but man, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I really think as a whole, people are getting paid more. Jobs are still available. And even if the migrations to new markets for some folks change, or if you're in an area where there has been a population decline, there's still opportunities. You just got to again be open to them, be ready for them. Do I necessarily want to go back to 2008 where I was getting on the desk 90 hours a week? I'd prefer not to. (laughs) I think there's a lot of people in the industry that would prefer not to do that. Sure. But again, we're in an industry where our control, our spending and controllable costs are very controllable for us. True. Yeah. Food, we can't determine what the cost of food we buy is. Hopefully. It's commensurate with business. So if business is reduced and so is the cost. Yeah. Yeah. And again, with most folks, if they're like, oh my God, I'm paying so much, I'm paying full dollar more per bird, per six out patty I buy, hopefully you've increased your price that much to go with it. If you're just, if you're just eating that cost, it's crazy, but it it goes the same for the center for payrolls. Every center's biggest expense, be it anywhere between that 30 to 20% cost of goods. And, uh, and unfortunately may sound a little harsh, but you know, as that needle drops, if it does start dropping a lot from economy, economic change, that's the easiest thing you can control. Now, again, you probably like a lot of centers, I've definitely had to hire some people who are just here to press buttons on the cash register, folks that just don't want to get on board. But again, keep me working from five to two o'clock in the morning on a Saturday. Hey, I'm sorry, Charlie, here you're going to be. Right. But revenue drops 20%, 30%. Charlie's probably going to be given the opportunity to find more gainful employment for them. Right. And then it may be me, it may be someone else, but you know, you, you do it again, just be flexible and change what you got to do. I think that's from 08, from 08 to now to especially COVID, you keep hearing of centers where, you know, oh, we lost a hundred centers that year. Oh, we lost 80 X number of centers in a year's time. I think a lot of that just has to do with the industry and just, there's no third generation to take over. Most centers have had a dad or an owner who built the center 50s, 60s, 70s. They've maintained the center. Their kid took over somewhere in the 90s. And that owner sent their kids to college. And now they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're living right. the American dream. It's what they've done. This industry has given them that American dream and let them prosper. Right. But those kids don't have any interest in the Bowlin Center. Right. And you have an economic downturn. And at some point you ask yourself, like, you know, is this, you know, do I want to work? Do yeah. I want to get back to that 80, 90 hours I was doing when I was 20 and working for dad? Some folks, the answer is no. Right. And when that happens, those centers kind of, kind of go off. It's not always, I think, 
a financial decision. It's a lot yeah. of it is is just is is the, the labor there. Is it worth it? Is it yeah? I is it what they right. want to keep doing? Yeah, and, it's, it's it's less a matter of having to close and just having a reason to close. Mm -hmm. COVID gave I think a lot of people an easy out. So oh, yeah. well, COVID. Yeah, nothing you can do. It's just COVID. But really, they were just looking for an out. They're mm -hmm. over it. They're ready to retire. They're ready to put yeah. up the put it up. Yeah, and that gave them a perfect. Yep. Yeah. And again, it's what it is. Again, everybody's mm -hmm. going to make their own decisions. Like I said, the reality is, no matter what ends up happening, ultimately, it's in the center's hands. Are they gonna? Are they gonna? get some grit in them, they going to push through, or is it going to be, Hey, maybe it's time we look for a new C fan be able to buy the place. Or is it, Hey, is it time for us to just hang up the hat? Mm -hmm. And none of those again, none of them are easy decisions right. at all, but it's definitely stuff you got. I think centers should be putting some time and effort into kind of thinking of if that shoe, like I said, if that shoe does drop. Yeah. What are we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do? What's yeah. the plan? Where do we, where do we want to have happen? And it might be an uncomfortable conversation, but I think it would be a fantastic conversation. Yeah, absolutely necessary. Well, John, yeah. I'm sure just, I don't know about you, but I could talk about this stuff all day. Yeah, Forrest. Um, I, again, I can't believe how quick that hour went by. Yeah, it's a good time. Cow, it? it is. But before we go, tell us or tell people where they could talk to you about some of the the coaching or installation work that you do. They're interested. <laughs> I wish I could, I wish I could say, Hey, yeah, call me right away. But no, that's all facilitated. Like I said, I'm a contractor with Cubic AMF okay. on that Yeah. and uh, for the training and everything like that. So uh, your best opportunity, call your local Cubic AMF sales rep. They have online training now that you guys can take part in. If you guys have upgraded recently and you have access to something called the Q portal, Q portal has just a wealth of training documents, videos. And they even have a lot of new marketing materials that are available to centers that they may not have had before or don't know they have. Yeah. So if you're interested in any of that, again, contact your locals, Cubic AMF sales rep, talk to them about it. There's hopefully, can't talk about it, but if you're going to Bowl Expo, I think there might, I, again, you should be seeing the next step in customer entertainment. So again, check them out, check out there. Yeah. Like I said, not, I don't, again. I work for them as a contractor. I'm not a full-time employee, right. still passionate about their products. And like I said, if you get a chance to check them out at Expo, expect a surprise. And like I said, I think it really is going to be the next level of customer entertainment at your polling centers. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to picking up that conversation. Yeah, definitely. Expo. definitely. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks again so much for coming on, John. I really appreciate it. This has been fun. My pleasure for us. Yeah. Uh, anytime. Anytime. Yeah. We'll be in touch. Right. Thank you. Bye.